The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. If you're one of the many people with creative talents who are struggling to run a profitable business, we have just the right show and subject matter expert for you. We'll be talking about tactics that will enable your business to thrive and you to do what you love. Business coach Rob Fortier will share his expertise both as a coaching entrepreneur and as the former owner of a greeting card company. Rob's collections were impressive enough to earn him a guest appearance on HGTV, where he showcased a line of handmade holiday cards that he created. He also has a background in theater and was a competitive swimmer for 12 years. Rob, thanks so much for sharing your expertise on the show and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Hamda. It's a pleasure to be here. So I was thinking that being a competitive swimmer for 12 years must have taught you a lot about running a business. <laughs> yes, it's about consistency and showing up and lots and lots of hard work. A lot of commitment. And a lot of commitment, yes. <laughs> and I would guess that also it's an openness to receiving feedback, right? You get a lot of coaching as a competitive swimmer. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of things about your breathing and, you know, where you place your arms and um, lots and lots of faster, faster, faster. <laughs> Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Get in that water. I don't care if it's cold. Um, do what it takes. Show up at 6 a.m. Um, however many days it takes. Put in the work necessary. Yeah, lots of great coaching as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting thing. The whole pushing piece is that sometimes when you're in a long-term experience and you're you're not really seeing huge progress, people can get really discouraged. Oh, yeah. It's you know, for a lot of people who start a business, you know, there's that dream of start a business and make lots of money right off the bat. But for many people who start a business, it starts with a really great idea and it moves into a process. And sometimes that process can take one, two, three years before you really see the types of profits that you would like to have in a business. So it is about consistency and showing up, putting in the work, but also having the dedication to know that it's not an instant success. You know, there are very few people who have ever started a business who have made a million dollars off the bat. Look at successful companies like Twitter. I would consider Twitter a successful company, yet they're still struggling to make a profit. They will figure it out at one point, but they're in it for the long haul. They know that there is money to be made in this business. So for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's the same thing. You know you've got a great idea. You know you've started something that is workable, and you have to tweak it as you go along, as you move along. You make changes. You make adaptations to it, but it's really about, like you said, commitment and, and dedication to it, to showing up and putting the work in. 
It's an interesting perspective that you bring up because as we're looking at starting a business or growing a business and you look at your business plan and your competitors, so there's a lot of research that might be done about competitors, but we don't always find out actually what it took for those individuals to really get going. Exactly. It's that whole notion of the overnight success that took 10 years to make. There was uh, a few years ago in the Grammys, I don't know if you're into music at all, Hamda, but uh, the the band called uh, Fun, Fun Period, and they were flabbergasted that a few years ago. They won several Grammy Awards, and a lot of people had never heard of them, but they had been around for, I think, 10 or 15 years. So their suddenly breakthrough album was really you know, a, a labor of love. It took them a long time to get to that part where they reaped the rewards. So to the rest of the world, they look like this instant sensation, but to them, they knew it had been a journey for them to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings to mind since the Australian Open is taking place right now, tennis players as well. There are lots of tennis players who are extraordinary and somehow just haven't been able to win any Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you see these players and you think, wow, they beat one of the top players. How did that happen? And it's because they ha- they are good and they just have been around for a long time and somehow... What's the difference between the people who make it to the Grand Slams and the, the ones who don't? The, the, the ones that don't give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're even, even when you're good, sometimes the timing isn't right uh, for what it is that you do. You know, in, in certain businesses, there are certain products that have been come unveiled that if they had come out five or six years earlier, the world wouldn't have been ready for them. So sometimes it's about timing and being there and being ready to go when the timing is right. Mm-hmm. And you talk about, Rob, also the importance of adopting a business owner mindset as a creative person. Tell us more about that. Well, I think for a lot of creative people, they want to start a business because there's something that they're very good at. They have a great skill. They've come up with some really great ideas. They are ready and raring to go to try to make money from it or to get out into the world. But Oftentimes, they start out with a mindset that isn't as strong as it should be. You know, when you start a business as a creative person, you have to sort of learn to meld the creative talents and the things that you're good at along with running a business. Now, what does that really mean for a business owner? Well, a business owner, um, you know, if you thought of, let's say, like a bakery, they have set hours. They're open every day from 10 to 5. They have Uh, to make product. They have to order supplies. They have to do bookkeeping. They have to do payroll. They have to pay taxes. So as a business owner, if a creative business owner, if you really want to do it because you like making things or creating, but you don't want to touch the business side, you're going to be in trouble from the beginning because you really have to embrace every aspect about running a business, not just the pretty and the fun parts. It's sort of like if building a house, if you, let's say you're building a brand new house and, you know, step three for you is you want to decorate. Well, that's great, but you really need to build the walls and put a roof on and put the electricity in. You need to embrace all those parts that are maybe not so pretty and not so fun, but they're important because without that structure, your house is really going to fall apart. So for business owners, it's about embracing, you know, establishing a regular routine. You know, you can't run a business if you just show up and do your work when you feel like it. People start to depend on you. Customers depend on you. Uh, if you have employees, they come to depend on you for, for paychecks. 
It's about establishing regular habits with your creativity. A lot of creative folks, they seem intimidated by the notion of scheduling creative hours. And I think that's to their detriment. I think that your best work often comes when you're not sitting around waiting for inspiration. It comes when you show up and put in the work. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Stephen Pressfield at all, if you've ever read any of his stuff. He is a novelist, and he has this outstanding book called The War of Art, and I recommend it to all of my clients. And he talks a lot about that consistency. He is an author. You know, he has There have been movies made from his books, but he spent a great number of years procrastinating, basically driving taxi cabs and doing all kinds of other things rather than sitting down and doing the work. So that is something too, as part of running a creative business is scheduling your time. How often will you show up? How many days a week can you commit to working on your craft? You know, if you're working a full-time job, it may only be, you know, a handful of hours a week. That's okay, but it's consistency that's going to help you pay off. You can't wait for the big giant idea, the big, this is it. This is the killer. This is, this is what I'm going for. Sometimes those come because of the 10 other things that you developed that didn't really work before. You know, it's the 15 years of we're re- touring with the band and then fun finally wins their Grammy award after all the hard work. So that's part of running a business too, is that mindset of showing up regularly. I mean, imagine if every time you went to, we wanted to buy groceries, you were never sure when the grocery store was going to be open. That grocery store probably wouldn't last very long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's also what you're communicating really essentially are the values that you're offering through your business. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and that's a really interesting word to use is, is values. People don't often think of that with a creative business, but you, you do have a value and you do have things that you believe in and you need to communicate that in your business by treating it like a business. You know, a lot of folks, this comes up with people I work with, is do you want to run a business or do you want to have a hobby? And those are a little bit different. You know, if you want to create for your own enjoyment to for the people around you, there is nothing wrong with that. That is fantastic. And you may or may not make a little money from it. But if you want to run it as a business, you know, that's when you take it seriously. And that's when you start collecting money, collecting money for it. And it's showing up consistently. If you have a hobby mindset, that's way you need to decide: is that a hobby or a business? And sometimes people take hobbies and make them into businesses, and they sort of regret it. So you just need to be careful when you make that decision if that's something you really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. You made so many wonderful points. I just want to reflect on a few of them. The first point that I heard was the issue of being a creative, and sometimes as a creative, we think that having fewer boundaries is going to help really to encourage those creative juices to flow. And what I heard you say is that the idea of structure, which people can run away from because it can seem really inhibiting, actually is the thing that really gives you a lot of creative freedom and license because it's the thing that helps you to make sure that you're actually using your creativity. Yeah. If you've got a set side of time set up, you're actually protecting your creativity. You set boundaries around it. So that way, when you sit down, you there are no interruptions. You're not having to squish it in in other places. You know, this is my time to do the thing that I am good at. So yeah, I think I, protecting it is very important. 
And another point that you made has to do with consistency, which I always find to be a very fascinating topic because I think we're, everyone is inconsistent in ways. Mm-hmm. You could be this outstanding professional. You could be an image consultant. Let's say I've had three image consultants on the show, so that's what comes to mind, right? Because that's also the role of an in- image consultant is really to help you to be mindful, both verbally and non-verbally. What are the messages that you're communicating and are those messages consistent? And let's say, for example... If you're in the field of communications and you could be an amazing at what you do, you could be a wonderful at advising someone about communications within an organization. And if you're taking a week to respond to emails, I don't think it's so much of an exaggeration because I've seen it. And I, I'm not saying this to be critical. I have inconsistencies myself. Just though being aware, though, that sometimes it might cause people to really take pause and wonder how good you really are at what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point about, about the consistency, you know, and I'm, I'm far from perfect myself. I sometimes emails slip past me or I don't follow up with somebody that I met the way I should have. But, you know, again, think about the things that you spend money on or that you spend time on and you come to rely on those resources and those things to fill needs that you have both in your personal life and your business life. And one of the things about doing a business is that you need to be dependable. You know, um, I've had some clients who have worked in the uh, greeting card and gift industries who have, um, you know, they've been lax about putting out stuff on a regular basis. About they've been very slow to fill orders, and the people that work with them, the stores that work with them, they get tired of it because they have customers that need product from them. So consistency is a really big thing and you can't be perfect all the time it's not possible but (laughs) but you can strive to do your best and and be consistent in the most important aspects of your business too as well i like what you said also as we're thinking about the lifeline for us when you're looking at starting a business of course we want to tap into what passion actually has a lifeline that makes sense in terms of all the investments that that's required in a business and you talked about distinguishing between hobbies and though, and the things that you might want to invest in really more fully. Um, yeah, in terms of you know, like your creativity and you know what you want to be doing. One of the things that comes up in running the business aspect when you have a hobby, you can create whatever you want. But when you have a business, you need to find the balance between what you like to create and what the market is willing to spend money on. You can't go out into the world and make stuff that nobody wants to buy. You, obviously, you want to be pushing the boundaries and come up with new things. But you know, uh, you know, you have a history uh, background in greeting cards. I had a friend who was making Fourth of July cards. When's the last time you got a Fourth of July card? Probably never. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a you know great idea. She had some ideas, but it's not something the market is willing to spend money on, and it's something you do have to test and find your your area but once you find that you really can it's a great actually it sort of helps it gives your creativity a direction to go on because you know okay there's an avenue for this that i can put out into the world and people are going to want to spend money on it or invest in it or spend time with me if it's if it's a service but that is hard for some people you know i had a client who you know when she first started making greeting cards she you know, she just did her own stuff. She was using, you know, colors that the market didn't really care for. She was using kind of snarky humor. The cards were funny, but she kind of had trouble getting traction in the market. So 
she started getting feedback from retailers and started making adjustments, still keeping her essence of what she wanted to convey in the cards. They were still very funny. They were still edgy. But she fine-tuned some of the themes and some of the colors and whatnot. And her business really started to take off. So she was able to find the balance between what I love doing and what the world wants to buy, which really helped her business. I love that point that, that we can really work to find that sweet spot and still really run with your passion. And it's not diminishing in any way of your creativity to respond to the feedback that you're getting to make sure that you can actually really do the things that inspire you and at the same time make sure that you your business is running. Yeah, it makes it stronger in my opinion. Yeah, We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we come back, Rob will talk about how creativity and the art of selling go hand in hand. Stay with us. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, back with entrepreneur and business coach Rob Fortier. Rob talked about the importance of having a business owner mindset, which is about embracing all of the requirements of running a business, such as the need for structure, consistency, and also obtaining market feedback. Rob, you talk about the effectiveness of pairing creativity with the art of selling. Mm-hmm. What more can you say about that? <laughs> selling is probably 
the most awful word you can say to a creative person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it strikes terror in their hearts and it brings up all kinds of of preconceived notions that we have about what selling is. You know, a lot of people think that selling is this horrible, arm-twisting, car salesman, slimy, terrible thing. When the truth of it is, we sell every day, whether you realize it or not. When you meet somebody and you have a conversation and tell them about what you do, that's selling, in my opinion. Uh, the big secret, and this is the million-dollar secret, everyone, mm-hmm. is, that, <laughs> is that selling is really all about making relationships. It's, it's not about saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It's about building relationships. You know, think about the places that you might buy from. They send you emails. They, you know, they try to different ways to get your attention. They entertain you on social media. They send you valuable resources. They become a sort of a virtual friend, whatnot. Um, somebody that you might meet, let's say you buy something that is sold, um, you know, I won't mention any specific products, but something that's sold sort of more door to door, or you might go to like a party or a function to buy it, like jewelry or cosmetics. You buy because the person who's selling it has built a relationship with you. You trust them. You know that they know what they're talking about. They are they have sort of become an authority in your life that you can reach out to and ask questions. So really, that's what selling is all about. And I think that's what the thing about wonderful for creative people is that you can really tap into that. You know, you don't have to take any kind of traditional route. It's about making your own. So in terms of selling your own stuff, it's again goes back to that point of embracing your embracing all of your business with um, making selling a part of that. But it's about creating those relationships, you know, and how do you do that? You start off with thinking about who is your ideal customer? If you make a certain product or have a certain service, who is that targeted to? You identify those people. And then you can adopt the mindset of, well, how do I help those people? Because selling also is about creating relationships, but also about helping other people. If you can act as a resource for what people want, then you're not bothering them. You see, you're helping them get something that they probably already want. And you're helping them decide, well, I need this from you. I'd love to just talk about this point a little bit more because it brings to mind as a creative person, of course, what you're offering is really coming from you. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain vulnerability also about putting something that's so personal out there and also standing behind it and asking someone to give you something in exchange. And so I just wanted to, for us to address that a little bit, just that, that experience of discomfort, that it's almost easier to have someone else market your work sometimes than for you to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And you did actually start to speak to it because you said the important thing is that it's not just something that's about you that you need to make a connection between what it is that you're putting out there in the world and the value that it has for other people, how it helps to improve their lives in some way. Yeah, it, it, and it can be difficult when it's your own thing. As creative people, we take critiques on our work, we can take them very personally. And that's part of adopting the whole business mindset of, in your own mind, you need to find a way to separate. It's not 
when someone is critiquing your product or giving your feedback on your product or service, it's about the product or the service. It's not an attack on you. And so if you can separate yourself a little bit from that, give it some space, you're able to see it much more objectively and say, okay, sometimes you'll get feedback that's not relevant. It's not helpful. That's okay. But sometimes you'll get some really good stuff that you'll say, okay, how can I take this in and merge it into what I'm doing and not it's not about changing me. It's about improving what I'm creating and what I am putting out into the world. So it's really uh, not about taking it personally. You know, there's a fun game that I always tell people they should play when they're trying to sell things is see how many no's you can collect in a day. You know, because the more no's you collect, that means the more the more you're asking people to buy. And eventually you'll get some yeses. But if you can collect a bunch of no's, well, you'll get through those and then you move on to some yeses. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid of the no's at the same time. It seems that you're describing the process of growth, (laughs) right? That essentially we don't grow in a vacuum. And we grow and we gain confidence actually when our ideas and our work is out in the world. And there's this element of interaction because that interaction then really feeds the evolution of our creativity. Yeah. It, I mean, you can stay home and, you know, make whatever you want all day long. But I think for me, that's the exciting part about the work that I do and the people I work with is seeing them have this really fantastic idea and then putting it out into the world and then finding ideas and ways to make it even better. And like you said, it's about growing. And uh, there are lots of things out in the world that they're fantastic now, but they were terrible when they started. I mean, look at even, you know, you take Apple computers. When they came out many, many years ago, nobody really bought them. And now they're a very powerful technology company um, because they went out and got feedback and improved what, what they did upon. So mm-hmm. to make it viable for the market, what people wanted to buy. And I'm sure they heard a lot of no's mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way. And it's an interesting approach also that you're suggesting, which is essentially you're talking about creating relationships, not necessarily trying to finagle someone Mm -hmm. to do something, manipulate someone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the, and that's the value of, you know, what I think about when I think about marketing is I don't think about it as, is this flashy, you know, thing. I think it's something that everybody can do is that in the terms of a creative person, is about creating value for somebody. Like if you provide a service, you know, do you do a newsletter? Do you, write, do you write things that are your customers or potential customers will get that they can take a value from? Oh, I read this newsletter and I've, now I know how to do X, Y, Z because of that. I'm so thankful for it. You become a resource. Um, and along with that, you know, like in social media, you know, a lot of people have the take of social media of – you see lots of people who aren't particularly good at it, who use it as an advertising mechanism. And really, it should be about entertaining people. It should be about adding knowledge to them, enlightening them, or keep, or you know, sharing something that's interesting. And through that, that's what keeps people following you and keeps people interested in what you're doing if, is if you can provide value to them. It's not about you know me, me, me. It's about... What can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. So, Rob, if you're in an individual interaction, let's say you're a painter mm-hmm. and your work is on exhibit. Mm-hmm. We're lucky to reach that point where we have a great exhibit, let's say, yes. in a central place. And there are people floating around talking about your work, thinking about buying it. How do you 
what are some specific strategies you can suggest for really establishing connection, building a relationship with someone in that moment where maybe you'll approach someone who's looking at your work? Ah, that's a great question. Um, one of the things I would suggest would be, if you have have a conversation with them, is to ask them about what they find interesting about your work. Ask them about, you know, if they were to own a piece like this, where would they put it? Get them to connect to it on an emotional level. You know, staring at this painting, how does this make you feel? What would this do for you having this in a space? Is it, you know, for an office? Is it for your home? Um, How would having something like this change your day? You know, for a lot of people, art especially, you get a great piece of art because it evokes a certain emotion every time you look at it. So in a conversation, I would want to know from a potential buyer, how do you connecting to this? What is it evoking in you? And bringing those things up gets them to really realize that they're not just looking at paint on a canvas in a gallery. They're tapping into the emotional value of the work that you put out that's behind that. And they may or may not get the meaning that you started out with when you wanted to put that piece out. But you're helping them realize, oh, here's the value of a piece of artwork. And maybe they don't buy from you, but you've provided value to them in realizing why this is important to them and to have in their life. So one way you might start out, if, especially if the person doesn't know you're the artist, is by saying, what do you think? Yeah. Right. Just to get a sense <laughs> because you don't know whether or not actually the person is drawn to the work. If you ask an open-ended question and you get a sense that the person actually does feel some sense of connection and emotional reaction to the piece then there's more of an opening that can help guide the conversation and you can actually get them from that place where you can share also what their experience is, what they connect with, and also what your motivation was in producing that piece and maybe get to that part about what part of the home Yes, (laughs) (laughs) this might, might be the need that this beautiful work can satisfy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that's a really great point, Hamza, about open-ended questions. And also just taking the focus off of, uh, again, this is about separating it from it being personally, taking the focus off of you. You're probably nervous, really nervous, standing there asking these questions of somebody that you don't know about something that could be very personal to you. But by just taking that step back and opening up a dialogue about it, it's going to be way more effective than say, hey, do you like this? You should buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're getting to less of that hard approach. You're getting to a little bit more of the soft approach where you're suggesting to step back and actually look at the person, take an interest in the person, hear what their thoughts are, what they have to say. And you might then discover what synchronicities exist between the two of you that could make it an, e- an easy conversation to expand on. Yeah. And, and at some point, you do have to ask for the sale. You know, that becomes part of the conversation. But that is not, that's not what you lead with. You know, a lot of times, um, especially in sales, you know, a lot of people don't know this, that most people don't buy on the first touch, on the first time they experience something. It can take 5, 10, 12 15 touches for someone to realize, okay, this is the product or this is a service for me. So if you reach out to someone once and they say no, and you never contact them again, you might be losing a potential customer. 
it's uh it's and and people i and i get it because you feel as a creative person like you're bothering people oh, i don't want to bother people with too many emails or phone calls or oh they're they're just going to be they they won't want to buy from me because i've irritated them it goes back to you're helping them if they've expressed an interest if they signed up for your mailing list if they visited you at a gallery if they you know whatever it is that you do They've expressed an interest. Your job as a business owner now is to stay in touch with them until they say, please stop. (laughs) So you're not bothering them. But if you're doing the right things where you're providing value and offering to finding a way to help them, at some point they may buy. They may never buy from you, but sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, I have a really good friend who makes handmade jewelry. Um, it's all out of wire. It's really beautiful stuff. She's in stores all across the country. She's in museums, stores, and she does several trade shows every year. And a few years ago, she had a store come to her, and they were carrying the mailer postcard that she sent out for the show. And they said, "Hey, we've been following you for two years." And now we're ready to place an order. Mm-hmm. Now, had she given up and not stopped mailing them, stopped being in contact with them, that's an order she would have lost. And they've turned out to be really great customers. But it goes back to what we said before about the timing. Sometimes the timing just isn't right for whatever personal reason the buyer might have. So if you can keep showing up, again, back to consistency and providing value, when that person's ready, they're going to buy from you. You'll make the sale. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a courting process. Yeah, it is very much so. I have a sales rep friend who says it's a lot like dating. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I think about courting, I think if I had the motivation, let's say, to court, obviously then I feel a strong draw to a particular person. And I think it's worth the wait, right? There's nothing that I'm looking to achieve really quickly because mm-hmm. I feel like I found something that I really, really want. And I'm willing to take the time and make the effort and also to really sync my efforts with where the other person is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love that whole analogy of of courting someone is that you can't give up too soon if you know that relationship's right. And sometimes it doesn't always work out, especially if it was a relationship thing. But if you give up too soon, you never know what could have happened. So that's, it's about showing up consistently. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So creativity and the art of selling, we're looking at really also going beyond our creative piece and seeing the person who might be interested in purchasing, connecting with them, expressing an interest in their thoughts and what they have to say and what they feel about your work, and also looking at it as really helping people get what they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. When you help people get more of what they want, you get more of what you want. We're going to take a couple of minutes for a quick commercial. When we return, we'll discuss a topic that will have you listening closely, financial stability. Stay tuned for more. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. 
The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi speaking with business coach Rob Fortier about tactics for running a profitable business as a creative entrepreneur. When, you, when we're thinking about the issue of profitability, what are some strategies you can share for laying out a business structure that's profit generating? <laughs> um, I'm so glad you asked because a lot of people you know, they, they get into a creative business and they just sort of go and then they sort of get into the middle of it and realize, Oh, I haven't really figured out how this is all going to work. So, you know, when you think of a business sort of plan, that sounds stuffy and boring. So what I encourage people to do is sort of draw, draw a map of how you would like your business to look, you know, it's got certain points and a destination. So I like to start with the possibilities with the destination of writing a business plan. And I don't even use the word plan. I'm going to use map because that's better, I think. So I like people to start with the big why. Why is it that you want to have a business? You know, why do you want to make that switch from having this be a hobby to being something that helps you, supports you financially? Is it because of the hours? Is it because there's you want to travel? Is it because you, you want to make a lot of money and what you currently do has a cap to how far you can advance on it? Is it because you want to 
contribute to a charitable organization, so you need money to do that, or maybe what it is that you do, the product or service you provide can help an organization that exists, or maybe you're starting one of those. So really get clear on why it is you want to have a business to begin with, because it's really important Because as you go along, you're going to hit some really crazy bumps in the road of running a business. Things that you could never even expect, some really great and some not so great, are going to happen to you. And if it's really clear to you where you're going, why you want to go there, those things, those thoughts are going to help get you through the bumpy times when you just feel like, I can't do this one more day, or this is too hard, or I'm not a cutout for this. You you can do it, but you've got to stay focused on what the big destination is, the big why. Mm-hmm. So you're lacking in really into your motivation, as you're saying, because realistically, there are going to be moments where you're really doubting the fruitfulness of your venture, You're doubting yourself and you need to have that structure in place to make sure that you keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think of the thing that comes to my mind is um, the light bulb. You know, everybody thinks the light bulb is a great invention, but nobody knows how many trials Edison went through to actually get that to work. I think there were like a hundred different versions at least before he got one that didn't blow up. (laughs) So if he'd given up at 97, we might not have light bulbs today or somebody else would have invented it a few years down the line. So yeah, it's, it helps, keeps you motivated and on track having that big why. Are there any visuals that you recommend to your clients to help keep that motivation going? You know, like when people might put something up on their computer screen that really helps them stay connected with where their motivation is, what they're aspiring to, why it means so much to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of of quotes, if you have a quote that really rings true to you, I have a couple that I keep in my office, sort of around my keyboard that I use as inspiration. Um, I'm also a fan of doing vision boards, where you basically take a piece of paper or a even larger, like a poster board, and you put up images that you cut out from magazines that you create yourself, or you you know you get off of line, things that are part of your big why or your motivation. Is it you know like you pictures? If one of your goals is to save enough money to be or have the freedom to take regular vacations if you don't do that now maybe you put some pictures up of the places that you would like to go um if there's something that you would like to be able to invest in with your money you know such as a new car or a a house somewhere um having pictures of those on a board that you see every day can help keep you motivated and on track it's a yeah visual representation of your why um like i say i'm a big fan of quotes too um and if you can do it in a you know especially if you're a creative person either hand write it out or use a fun font and print it out and make it big and put it on your wall or put it next to your computer or put it in a place where you see where you wake up every day and when you go to sleep so that way it's the first thing you think of and it's the last thing in your mind It seems that success is so much about locking in your commitment that inevitably when you're striving for something, you're going to have these exercises of will and that at a certain point, if we're really going to do this, we say to ourselves, that's it. I'm not going to let anything get me down or set me back too long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm really locking this in because I'm, I'm committed to this. I really want to do it and I'm going to do it. And it just seems that somehow things change. On the outside, maybe business comes to you that wasn't there before when you have that internal resolve that you really lock in. Yeah, it's uh, it's lining up sort of everything. You know, it's it's the right mindset. It's the it's the consistency. 
And it is the, it's the decision. You really need to make the decision that running a business is something that you want to do and that you can do. Of course, everybody has moments where they doubt themselves and they get scared and they're afraid. Um, but that's part of this whole process of you learning and growing and getting better. But if you, you know, you have to start with the decision that you can do this because no one else is going to make you believe that you can do it. You can get all the external love and support and, you know, motivation. But if you don't believe that yourself, it can't happen. So, but when you can make that decision, that you can do this and you put yourself on that path, you know, Hemd and I talked about this earlier, you'd be amazed at what will line up to help you accomplish that. Things you never even considered will come to you when you're focused and you're on track and you're doing the work consistently. So in just talking about this whole theme of drawing a map for your business as a path to financial stability, Mm -hmm. financial success, you talked about really connecting with where you're going, yeah. what your destination is, and also the issue of consistency and laying out a structure that's going to really help you to execute on your creativity and some routines as well, day-to-day routines. Yeah. Um, part of it, you know, with the big why is, you know, we just don't go from, you know, where we are now to the big end. Um, you really need to think about what are the steps in between? What are some benchmarks? What are some intermediate goals that I can use to measure success? Because, you know, it may take you five, six, seven years to get to the ultimate goal that you have for your business. But it's interesting things like, okay, this month I made $500. Next month I want my business to make $1,000. In three more months I'm only making $3,000. That's one thing to look at is setting some actual financial benchmarks of, you know, everybody always says, I want to make more money. Well, how much more do you want to make? That's important to measure that out. You wouldn't go run a marathon if you didn't know how long it was going to be, right? Those have a measured distance. You have a goal to get to the end, and there are you know water stops and along the way, uh, and break places if you need one. So the same thing should be true for your business. What are what are the steps in between? I want to have this you know three hundred thousand dollar business. I need to start with well this week. I need to make a hundred dollars. Start so lay out some benchmarks for that financial success. And then it becomes about some other steps to, okay, so you want to make that amount of money. What are the things you need to do to get that to that? Do you need to be creating more? Do you need to go to networking events and meet more people? Do you need to be out selling more, visiting more stores? Do you need to find new ways to reach people online? Do you need to increase your social media? Do you need to write more articles? What are the steps that are unique to your business? And lay those out as well. Um, and you can say, okay, so I need to do this you know, three times a month. Write three articles a month. Great. Put those on your calendar every month. I have to have an article finished by this date and send it out into the world. Creating consistency will help you get to the big goal. So create some goals along the way too as well. I would think also you have to incorporate some flexibility in that consistency, right? In order to to make the consistency sustainable, that you're really always doing a reality check and making sure with the other commitments that you have in your life that you're setting yourself up actually to be able to comfortably enough 
fulfill those commitments. Yeah. I mean, it is possible that you, you sort of overdo it. You put too many things in place, so you don't have any room to adjust to something good or hopefully not bad happen to you. Uh, and you do need to be flexible. And sometimes you're, you may set some goals for the next three months and you don't hit them or it doesn't work out the way you planned. So then it's important to say, okay, so I've got my map here. Okay, I took a little detour over here. I'm going to use my eraser and sort of draw a different route. Um, so how can, I, how can I adjust and how can I get back on track? Or what can I do differently? Because this the way I was working wasn't working for me. So, you know, a lot of people think there's like the right way to do something. There really isn't all the time. Sometimes it's about finding the, the, the path and the way that's unique to you that uses your talents and your skills and you get the job done. But you may need to take a few zigzags to get to that place. And that's, that's totally okay. And that goes back to growing and learning and getting better at what you do and building a strong business. Rob, for someone who might be scratching their head thinking, how do I go about the process of establishing those benchmarks and those goals that measure success when I'm just in these initial stages and I'm looking at prices that I need to charge, I'm looking at essentially what my revenue targets are, do you have some suggestions that you can offer around that process? Um, sure. You know, the first thing I would say is be realistic. <laughs> you know, as I said, everyone's the million dollar product right at the bat, but that's not how it works very often. Um, but you do sort of need to know your numbers. You need to say, you know, and this comes into play with people who sell like physical products. How many products do I need to sell to reach this amount? What other costs come into play of that? So really, I would say take stock of everything that goes in to doing what you do. It's not just about the physical inventory you might need, but it's also about your time. You know, how many hours go into getting that ready? If it's a service, how many hours can you commit to something? Like if you do something like you're a massage therapist or you're a healer or you're, um, you know, anything that requires you to be, or a coach even, one-on-one time, you know, if you're working a full-time job, you can't say, well, I'm going to commit 40 hours to coaching next week because you just really don't have that. So also start with the very smallest pieces you can. It's very easy to get overwhelmed and say, there's too many things to do and I'm just going to shut down. You know, what's the, what's the very first thing that you can do to start on this process? Every, you know, you think about, people talk about goals and you think about, there are these huge, giant, like awesome things. I want to lose 30 pounds in next week. No, it's really what's the next great thing I can do that's going to help me along the lines of my business. It could just be one small thing. Like today, I'm going to make sure that I put up my Facebook fan page. Great. That's something that you could conceivably do in a day, in an hour. Um, so then what's the next thing after that that's going to make a difference in your business? So I think starting small is always really important, especially if you have never run a business before. That's really important not to overwhelm yourself because it's very easy to get tied into watching what everybody else does and I should be doing this and that. It's like start with where you are and build from that. So even if you're charging a little bit on the lower end, that gives you a chance to build your confidence, to show value and say, this is a deal that I'm offering right now. And customers also tend to value what you do more when they see that eventually your prices are going up because of demand. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That, that's a different position to be in than starting higher 
and not necessarily feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there's a whole psychology sometimes in, in pricing of uh, if you're more expensive, you're, you must be good. But I'm not always an advocate of that, especially if you're brand new to doing something. It's, it, it's in the very beginning, it might not be about making lots of money. It may be making sure that what you're offering in the world, people want. You can have the best, most awesome something in the world, but if you can't get someone to spend money on it, you don't have a business. So yeah, pricing does become um, an issue sometimes, but it's also important to look at at the market you're in too. You don't want to be way out of sync with what the market does. You don't want to be the cheapest, you know, whatever it is that you do. Because that will raise eyebrows too as well. So you, you, you do have to play with that, but you also, I encourage people to look at what the market, what's going on in the market. You need to know your market and price yourself accordingly in that too as well. Is there an illustration that you can offer? Um, I, yes, I had a client who is an illustrator and she used to do, um, work for people. She used to do book designs for people um, on, she found them like on Craigslist and Etsy and Twitter and she would charge a flat fee and she realized that she was getting lots and lots of people interested and she was making sales but the people she was attracting weren't necessarily the right clients for her and they ended up being a lot more work than what she had laid out in the beginning and so she played with the pricing and she found the very sweet spot where charging more money uh, attracted she attracted clients that she really enjoyed working with and the people who were just sort of dabbling or you know kicking the tires she didn't get as many um, people interested from that because the price sort of intimidated them a little bit. You know, not that you want to scare people, but it, it definitely sent a signal like this is the kind of work she's doing, and if you want this, you have to be ready to pay for it. Mm. Some great tactics for working toward adopting a business mindset, working on the art of selling, and also drawing a map for your business to lead to financial success. Rob, thank you so much. Thank you. So there's another invitation, actually, to get even more detailed information about some of the tactics that Rob suggested. Rob was part of a tele-summit this past November called Unstoppable Profits for Rockstar Creatives. That sounds pretty enticing. (laughs) And you actually have an opportunity to purchase the MP3 recordings from the summit by going to unstoppableprofitsrockstarcreatives.com. Unstoppableprofits.com rockstarcreatives.com and you can also learn more about Rob's business coaching services and contact him through robfortier.com that's r-o-b-f-o-r-t-i-e-r.com if you have questions related to today's episodes please email them to me at hosthemda at gmail.com we'll post responses on our social media sites which you can access by following me on twitter at hemdamizrahi and liking me on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.